Man, sometimes you got to pray for people, man. Even when they don't realize they need it, you have to pray for them. And I thank God that I have the patience in my own life and in my temperament and in my demeanor to take the time to pray for people. And I'm just saying that as a general because life is funny and people are funny. And it's you always have to you always have to recognize that in the life that you live, that there are some decisions that you have to make. And there's a certain type of demeanor that you have to withhold when you're dealing with certain people and when you're dealing with situations that could either go in your favor or can go south or it could be to the detriment of your character. Um, so in saying that, I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened to me, what, three days ago? <laughs> Um, I didn't tell my wife this, but, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure she probably gathered there was something wrong with me. Um, but typically I'm quiet because I'm kind of analyzing and kind of assessing situations in my head to make sure that I made the correct decisions and what I did. And also, um, understanding that I, um, in those times that I need to assert myself or in times where I just need to be silent and just kind of laugh things off. So in saying that, I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, so um, I typically do um, basketball training with some of the high school kids um, that I've worked with for, for years um, at the school I work at. Um, so after dropping off some of those kids at home, um, running low on gas. I'm that person that I leave the gas tank like real empty until like, okay, I absolutely have to fill it up. Right. So go to a gas station, you know, about halfway to where my house is. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm out, I'm paying for my gas and I start pumping my gas and I see next to me, I see two dudes. Um, they're just staring at me, just like staring and like me, I always try to make sure that I'm not being self-centered and being self-absorbed, like thinking that everybody is looking at me. So I'll look back to make sure and then I'll look back at like I'll double take it and I'll look again and they were still staring at me. So my natural reaction in my head is just like, yo, what you looking at? Like and be like real abrasive about it. So I try not to do that. So. I looked back and I gave a nod, a head nod and was like, what's up? And, you know, they kind of looked at me, kind of smirked to each other and, you know, kept, you know, doing what they were doing. Um, they weren't putting gas in their car. They were just sitting there. So finished putting gas in my car, popped the cap and, you know, start like proceed to, you know, go around, you know, my car to get into my car. And, you know, before I got into my car, one of the dudes, he rolls his window down. Um, his engine was already started because they were about to just leave. And he rolls his window down as I'm, you know, opening my car door. And he was just like, you shouldn't have a car like that. You need to go back to your country, you fucking nigger. And then speeds off. Right. So bear in mind, these are these are two white dudes in a car. They say this to me. So. And, and, you know, of course, people want to say things to you when they're in the midst of leaving, of course. Right. Because that doesn't give you an opportunity to rebuttal or to react. 
So, says that to me, speeds off real fast, which is fine. I'm just like, I'm not going to chase after him. 34 years old, what do I look like? In my 20s? Definitely would have got in my car real fast and probably followed them for a little bit just to scare them. But 34. Mm. So in my head, you know, I get in my car. I laugh just because this has happened before. I've had some, I've had plenty of times in my lifetime where I have been called a nigger. I've been called some of the most filthy things that you probably never even heard of. I've been called these things before. So at this point in my life, it doesn't bother me. When you're younger, yeah, it's going to bother you a little bit and you react a little differently. But, you know, if they had every intentions of saying something to me and then speeding off, then it's just like, well, they weren't ready for the reaction that they were about to get. Granted, the fact it would have all been perspective because they probably were thinking they were going to get an outraged or assertive reaction to whatever it is that they had done. And the thing about it is, it's like, dude, it came out of nowhere. It's like, why say that? And it's just like, you shouldn't have that car. I was like, "Mm, I should have this car. I pay for it and I work and I make a pretty good living for myself. And I think I deserve it. Granted, the fact that I've been through poverty and I've been to places where I've had nothing and I've worked my way from all of those places to get where I am. So pretty sure I deserve the car that I have. And... I should go back to my country. You fucking nigger. When you say those things out loud, like when I say those out loud, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be daunting in the fact of what people are saying or trying to get a reaction and saying that or it be a buzz a buzz phrase. I'm saying it because to me and in my perspective it's so rudimentary it's so elementary it's so stupid and you could tell looking at the dudes that they were younger guys and you know could you could just tell that you know they they probably just were seeking to find trouble to get into and probably wanted to see how i'd react given Given all of the things that are going on in um, society as of right now. Um, so probably just trying to see what I, what, what I would do. And my reaction was laughter. Getting into my car. Coming home to my beautiful family. And just kind of assessing the day. Um, in those instances. When things like that happen to me. Especially now that I'm older. And I'm a lot more you know, I'm a lot more aware of how I evaluate things in my head and how I make the decisions to to create opportunities for teachable moments. So in saying that, I I analyze these things. And like, you know, for those that know me, I, I'm a big analytical dude. I I like to make connections where Maybe for most, they don't see the connections, but for me, I do. Um, It's funny when somebody tells me that you need to go back to your country or go back where you came from. It's, it's It's a teachable moment because one, I was born and raised in America. 
I'm not a slave being pulled from Africa. I was born here probably like them. And on top of that, I wish sometimes I wish I had the opportunity to where I could just stop time and rewind it all back and let it be to where I had a rebuttal to every single one of those statements made to me. Because then I think if they heard the rebuttal, then they would understand how stupid they sound in saying that to me. So for me, it's, it's funny, like the narratives people paint for themselves. And it's funny when there's people out there who, who generally try to create tension given the societal trends or the societal stance on things. I've noticed that always. Oh, people are trying to, people are protesting racial inequality. And so what, what do people out there normally do? Oh, okay. Let me see if I can go spark up some issues or say some key phrases or key words to this specific person or this specific race and see how they react to me and see what they do. Right. And so, and I, and I think that was just kind of a product of that. And like I said, these were some young guys. They're younger than me, much more younger than me. And I don't necessarily fault them for saying that and leaving. I'm like, one, I'm like, I'm not a small dude. So they probably didn't want that smoke if I was to be one of the types to be aggressive. I'm not. But, and two, I just love, I, I would love the opportunity to, to rebut those statements. I hate when people tell other people to go back to their country. And I hate to hear it from people who are not Native American. Like, can't tell me to go back to my country. I'm like, you're not from here neither. Like from in, from anybody. None of us are none of us are indigenous to America, the United States. None of us. But the only difference in that is one, a group of people had an opportunity to travel here on their own accord. And us, you know, African people, African American people, black people back then. They didn't have that luxury and they didn't have that opportunity, nor did they have the the means to to be able to make a decision to travel here or even want to be here for that matter, especially under the circumstances of slavery. Right. So you debunk that whole thing. So when you tell me, oh, go back to where you came from or go back to the country and what you came from or go back to Africa or some of the little catchphrases that. Um, people like to say to black people when they want to make them mad or irritated or they just want to just be malicious in the things that they're saying. You sound stupid when you say that, right? You sound like an idiot because I could say the same thing to you if I was wanting to be a person to attack you on the on the basis of elementary BS and say, oh, well, then go back to Europe or go back to wherever you came from as well. I'm like, because you're not indigenous to the United States, like I said. Native Americans are the only ones who have been here, lived here, and, you know, have been the only people indigenous to um, to all of this land that we ultimately borrow and live on, ultimately. But, um, and then I, I, I absolutely love, I like love when people use the N-word. I love it as, like, as a, as a means of 
trying to insult me or to, you know, as a means to anger me. And trust me, I'm just like, and trust, if you know black people in your life, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of black people in their lifetime that have been called niggers. I'm like, it happens. And should it happen? No, it shouldn't happen. But there's, like I said, there's dumb people out there who feel the need to to want to play that game and they do it just because they want to do it. Now, I preface that with there's a lot of people who can't stand to hear that word and they will, <laughs> there's some people out there that will end your life <laughs> or beat you two seconds from your life for saying that to them. There's some people out there that believe in that type of response. I myself do not. It's laughable to me because it's like all of the things that you can, the the American dictionary and all of the words that are colorful that you can use to insult somebody, that's the word that you come up with out of all things. You sound stupid. I'm just like, I mean, I, I'm more mad if somebody insults my intelligence, not them calling me a nigger. I'm just like, because it ultimately doesn't apply to me because that word was used to... Um, to insult slaves and other people and to make them seem like they're ignorant. And I'm, I'm far from that. I'm far from ignorant. And you look ignorant using the word. I'm just like, granted the fact that you're saying it in a circumstance to, I don't know, ultimately play around or to ultimately do a, to say a catchphrase to anger me for the rest of the night. And shout out to them, but it didn't happen that way. I laughed, got in my car listened to my music as I normally do and went home to my beautiful family. And but like I said, um, you know, when you start analyzing things and you start to, you know, you start to realize how callous and how silly some of the things people do in the world are, it it's it's almost worth analyzing for the simple fact that you have to almost assess what's wrong with these people and why they do the things that they do. And who teaches them to do these things? And who and who's to say that, you know, these things and the things that they say matter to anybody? And I'm only talking about it because it's it's where we're at in the country. It's it's the skewed speech and the skewed mentality that people think that they can say whatever they want and say it to whoever they want and there not be any repercussions, any karma, any retribution for those things that are being said. And I'm wholeheartedly a person who believes that the energy you put out in the world, it's going to come back to you. I wholeheartedly believe that if it's positive energy that you bring to the table, you're going to get a lot of that positive energy back. If it's all negative, if it's all malicious, if it's all sinful, if it's all um, if it's all of those things, if it's all just, you know, scatterbrained, impulsive things that you choose to speak about or you choose to speak on you're going to get a lot of that back and you're not going to like the responses nor the the reactions you get in re in regards to that and i wholeheartedly believe in that and I, and i've always been a person to to believe that so for me it 
it's all for it, it's all up for interpretation um and like i said before it's just like you have to you have to pray for people and understand that sometimes their mind doesn't work as well as yours and if my mind works very well then i have to understand that my patience has to be exceedingly high to cope with the stupidity that may envelop around me because of people feeling the need to say and do things to genuinely want to hurt people or to genuinely want to get a reaction or to genuinely be spiteful or to genuinely uh, make people angry. And I think I was, and I think for me, I was a victim to that, but I also feel like, give me a chance to rebuttal. And that's my thing. Because like I said, in every moment that I go through and everything that I go through, it's not about the decisions that I make, whether it be right or wrong. It's not about the the feelings or emotions that I have in the things that are happening to me. It's about learning and being able to expedite an opportunity for those moments or those, you know, those um, those grievances or the things that are happening to you to be moments to teach and to allow people to learn as well and to, you know, learn from those situations. Um, I truly do pray for those two young men that were in that car, <laughs> um, honestly, because they don't understand if I was a different person or if I was anybody else, and if my mentality was so much more different, that situation could have ended so much differently than it did. Instead of me being the laughing person and going home to my family, I could have been the enraged person and followed them home and you know did some things that probably would have got me in a lot of trouble. Or I could have been the person who cursed them out or I could have been the person who had the gun on me and you know I could have been a I could have been billions of different people in that situation and I say that to say that you need to choose how you speak to people and you need to you need to reiterate in the way that you you need to reiterate your thinking when you're making a decision to do something out of ignorance to me or out of maliciousness or any of those things because it's never going to work in your favor and one day if you continue to do that and it, and that's a and that's a scheme or a schematic of things that you do throughout your day you're going to come across that person that right person where time is just going to acquiesce perfectly and you're going to find yourself in a predicament you don't want to be in. And luckily for them, they didn't. Because they didn't come across that guy. They didn't come across the Terrence Brown that... The Terrence Brown that probably would have been a different person had it been 10, 12, 
13, 14 years ago. And that's just honesty. And I just wanted to tell that story to just let people know that regardless of your society and regardless of the people that you're around, you still need to withhold your own expectations of yourself. And you still need to execute the demeanor and the the compassion for people that you normally have for anybody. Despite how stupid people are, despite how people talk to you, despite the things that they say to you. And that's just it. Like, you have to be that person. And given everything that's going on and in light of everything else that is happening in the world, I think that to be such a minuscule event in my life that is subject matterless to me. But like I said, a teachable moment for everybody else and a learning and an opportunity for me to grow and to learn. So I know how to combat those types of situations as they occur because they won't stop. And I expect these things to happen because it's happened through most of my life and through most of my uh, growth. Um, Just things like that being said to me. And like I said, now it's just, you know, people are just saying it just to get a reaction, just like most people. And if you're not reactive to it, then it holds no power. And that's the thing that I want to say to young people who may experience that. Um, Any type of racism, discrimination, um, prejudice, judgment, um, microaggressions, because that's a big thing too. Um, Learn to be patient with people. Um, that's probably going to be my first brownie point. Uh, I haven't, I didn't introduce or anything like that. These are the brownie points. So yeah, you know who I am, uh, Terrence Brown, but, um, yeah, learn patience for people and learn to pay and learn to pray for people. Um, if you're not a person of prayer, um, then ultimately just learn to learn to be aware, uh, learn to be knowledgeable and learn to be patient. Um, I, I believe patience always goes a long way because when you're patient with, when you're patient with people, you can understand their ignorance and you can understand their stupidity, and you can let it go. And like I said, I made the decision to laugh it off and go home, as opposed to other things that I probably would have wanted to do when I was younger. But um, you know, and that's how life is. Um, I think it's all funny. I think it's funny right now. Right now, it's hilarious to me. The times that we're in, and I'm not saying in regards to um, COVID-19, I'm not saying in regards to racial inequality, I'm not saying in regards to police brutality, I'm not saying in regards to um, federal police, um, protesters, um, things of that nature that are going on that are serious matters. I'm not saying that stuff is funny. What I am saying is funny is the narratives all of the narratives that are just they're just stockpiling people are just stockpiling narratives in this day and age and it and it it kills me and you know what else is funny one of the funny things that i just like i laugh at is like because when i continue to get comments the things that i post 
I continue to get comments from people about the things that they post. And what makes me laugh is that people can be moronic. They can be ironic. They can be so hypocritical. And they can just be overly... I don't know what the word I want to use. They can be overly... They can be overly supportive in the bullshit that doesn't matter, like in the stuff that they do. Like, for example, this is just an example. Um, What makes me laugh is that people are generally mad at the whole Black Lives Matter movement, right? People are protesting. This movement has come about. Because black people, along with other people who support this movement, are wanting to be in an equal playing field, equal basis, equity in everything that we're doing in regards to laws, in regards to the thing, in regards to how laws are enforced, in regards to just general equality in everything that we're doing, as opposed to, you know, um, how things are laid out right now. The system needs to be updated and needs to be rebuilt and it needs to be rebuilt in a way where it's equitable and it works for everybody. Right. So this is where we're at. Now, because of this movement happening. You see all of the people who are in disagreement about this instead of just being in disagreement about this specific thing, they're going like over the top, like over the top where it looks dumb. Okay. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't agree with this black lives matter, all lives matter. And let me bring my Confederate flag out and let me bring my MAGA hat so I can wear it. And let me, you know, let me not wear masks because that somehow has become a political thing too. And let me say I'm a Trump supporter too. Like, it's almost like I'm trying to pull and grab every single thing that I can pull and grab to combat something that has nothing to do with um, racial inequality or protest or protesting the system and how it's built. None of those things have anything to do with that. Right. But because these people that disagree with this one thing, instead of just having a general disagreement with it and then having a conversation about it. I got to go all the way over the top. And this is for people that don't even like, and I'm not even going to say that. This is for people who claim to not be racist, but then it's like everything that you're doing looks racist because you're trying to combat the fact that I disagree with this so much. I have to go over the top to do all of these things to let you know that I disagree with this. And it's like, but you don't make sense. So, so what? If you're a Trump supporter, so what if you have a Confederate flag? So what if you are a racist or whatever the case may be? How is any of that relevant or pertinent to the the stance on racial inequality? How is that pertinent to people protesting and wanting to live a better life? 
that is equitable to have laws and um, constitutional rights that are appeasing to everybody and not just white people. How are these things, you know, like, it's just like all of these narratives. Oh, well, COVID doesn't exist and you don't need to wear a mask because people are not really dying. They're just, you know, they're just uh, fluffing the numbers and all of this stuff, right? And so what makes me, what makes it ironic is that the same people, when all of this started, the same people who were buying up all the hand sanitizer, were buying up all the toilet paper, uh, were in a panic and a frenzy when this whole, you know, coronavirus started, are now the same people who are saying, oh, I don't believe in it anymore. Or, oh, you know, it doesn't exist anymore. Or, oh, I can go out without my mask and I'll be okay. And once that happened, then now it became a political thing, right? Oh, you guys are, you know, disrupting my my freedoms or you're, you know, um, what are you, you're barging in on my freedoms. I shouldn't have to wear a mask and da 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 right? So it all becomes a political thing. Same thing with the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, it is a political thing because you shouldn't be allowed to wear a shirt that says that, or you shouldn't be allowed to wear a headband that says that, or you shouldn't have, you know, this, that, and the other on there because you're making a political statement. But how is that a political statement when we're talking about when we're talking about humanity? It's a humanitarian thing. We're talking about the lives of people who are that have been, you know, that have been that have been placed in circumstances where injustice is so susceptible to black people that even now when you talk about stories like Breonna Taylor, who hasn't gotten justice for her murder, when you talk about all of these different crimes and all of these different people who've been killed and there's been no justice for them, and we're talking about the ramifications of an unjust legal system or an unjust way that laws and law enforcement are exuded in the American society, in the American country, where it only benefits those who are not my skin color, right? And go against the people who are my skin color or who are a disproportionate group in our society, who are poor and impoverished, who are quote unquote, not American, right? And that's that's where we're at, right? That's where we're at in life. And then when we go back to the, I've heard like another narrative that people are pushing around, it's like for protesters specifically to, I don't know, to combat the, I don't know, to combat the movement of people protesting, which protesting is a First Amendment right. You have the freedom of speech. You can protest, right? But people are making that a big deal now because it's like, oh, they're protesting something that may, you know, that may go against my, that may go against my privilege or may go against the things that I'm accustomed to. So now it's making me mad because I don't want to have to be equal with these people, even though we say that we're in an equal society, right? And that's how I really generally feel when people are talking about that is that's really how they feel. It's crazy to me. But like 
those are the same people that think we live in an equal society are the ones that are combating the fact that we are seeking equality in every facet of life, right? But they don't want to see that happen because that infringes upon their privilege to do the things that they do and there not be a repercussion for them necessarily in the light that it would be for black people, Mexican people, Asian people, uh, Middle Eastern people, and any of the other people that are here, immigrants and anybody else that are here um, seeking the same opportunities as they would get if we were truly quote unquote equal, right? So, um, it, it's just something that I, I like look at and it's just like, sometimes I can't believe that these people speak this way and I can't believe people give them platforms to, to even speak because they sound hypocritical and you sound stupid. Right. And like I said before, it's like, these are the same people who will call, you know, will call me a, a, a nigger out in public. Right. And you know, do some of the things that they do will terrorize people for living their lives, um, will tell people that they can't protest, will try to intimidate them for protesting. But these are the same people that get up on Sunday mornings and go to church and worship God and and say that, you know, God loves all people. And so should we. But then Monday through Saturday hit, they, they're treating people like shit and treating people less than them and treating people, you know, differently these are those those are the same people so i'm trying to figure out i'm just like is it are are you being a moron or a dumbass um are you just being hypocritical because you don't understand your hypocrisy in your own mind and how you execute it in the reality you live in or are you being ironic or are you being are you being satire like in the things that you're doing and saying and it not match up? I, I'm trying to figure it out because it's it's all funny to me. Uh, it's just it's a crazy world that we live in with people who seemingly have no they have no grip on their ideologies or the reality that they live in. It's it's seemingly weird and it's funny. And what's you know, fun, like what's even more like ironic about all of this is like I've seen another narrative is like people are talking about protesters saying, oh, well, while you guys are out there protesting, uh, you know, about this, you know, human trafficking. I've seen that be a big thing as of late. And I'm just like and, and my first response to that, like in my mind is, yeah, human trafficking has been going on for hundreds of years. Oh, wait, wasn't slavery a form of human trafficking? You're bringing somebody from a country in which they reside and you're sneaking them over here and you're secretly selling them. And isn't that not the same thing? But yet a little kid has he has every right to skew the speech in which he's telling me I need to go back to where I came from. Right? Don't like, does that not sound weird to you? And, and that's why I always say from the beginning and from the start, anything is up from interpret, anything is up for interpretation. It's all how you interpret things. It's all what you think to be important, right? Everybody doesn't think racial, racial equality and 
police brutality and reforming the system that we live in. No, there's a lot of people that don't think that to be important. If I'm a person that benefits from it or if I'm a person who lives in privilege because of the system, of course, I'm not going to think that to be important because I benefit from it. I live a livelihood from this system working in my favor. So, of course, I don't think that to be important. A lot of people with the coronavirus um, and a lot of people with the, the whole wearing masks in public thing. I don't think that to be important because I don't have the coronavirus and I don't feel the need to wear a mask in public, even though there are people dying from it, even though there are people out in the world who are getting sick from it, even though there are hospitals out there that are confirming to you that these things are happening and they're up to their neck in patients and trying to get them well and off and not having enough beds to, to, you know, to seat patients in and stuff like that. But that's not important to you because it's not happening to you personally, right? That's self-centered and it's selfish. Really. And that's really, that's 90% of humanity. If something is not intrinsically happening to you or it's not happening, well, can't even say it's not happening around you. Look at where the world is. We're in, we're in pandemonium. We're in chaos right now especially the United States, it, you don't have the luxury in saying that because look at the world and where it's at. It, it's crazy to me that people can really have the narrative that, well, I haven't caught it, so I don't believe it to exist. And because I don't believe it to exist, I don't feel the need to wear a mask. And I don't feel the need to wear a mask, I wear a mask because um, I don't want to and I shouldn't be made to to wear it because it goes against my thing and you know they get all into the constitution and stuff like that and half the people that be that be inciting the constitution and what it's saying have you have you guys don't even know how to read like and don't understand the stipulations of it so and, and it's just it, it's crazy to me it's just that the irony and the stupidity and the hypocrisy of people who have been given and blessed with the mind to think, but yet they squander it for stupid narratives that fit into the livelihood in which they would like to live in, is what I've ultimately come to the conclusion of. So I'm sorry to start off with that rant, but figured I'd want to just start off that way sometimes when you are given a platform when you are giving given an opportunity to speak you need to understand and realize that your perspective on things is not going to always be the perspective of the general consensus of people that are around you which is fine but you also have to understand too that it's not your job to be angry because people don't get it or understand you. It is your job to listen and learn and to acknowledge and to be aware. And if you're aware of things, then you can understand the other side of things, regardless of if you disagree or agree with it or um, in that in their sentiment. And that's one thing that I've always understood about perspective. Um, perspective is going to ultimately be subjective to the person that is perceiving the things that are going on in the world and that's really where it's at like and that's one thing that I've had to learn 
in light of everything. And that's why when people are saying stuff to me as those two or as that gentleman did, you know, speeding off in his car, I have to understand the perspective in which they are. And then I also have to understand my perspective. And then I also have to understand that I need not to waste energy on people like that because I know and understand that regardless of my rebuttal and regardless of the things that I say, I may not change anybody and I may not change that response and I may not, you know, um, reconcile that situation per se, but um, that's how it is. And we have to be aware of that in regards to that. So in saying that, I, I want to really get to my quote for the day. And most of my quotes, I, I try, I've been trying to post my quotes or kind of post the rhetoric that I like to, to, to post before I say it on my podcast, just because it's pertinent to the things that I'm talking about in regards to people's implementation of the things that they deem to be important to them and how they stand behind it. And that that's just really where it's at. I'm like, whatever you stand behind, but know this, whatever you stand behind, make sure you can contextualize it with either facts or points that people are going to understand, regardless of if they disagree or agree with you or not. And that's just how it is. So quote of the day, the implicant, the, the implications and whatever proclamation of narratives people are trying to substantiate is what you deem important or imperative as an individual to the times that we are living in. Everything is up for interpretation and your introspection on any matter, whether humanitarian, political or constitutional, your verbiage, comments and or ideology should suggest that the premise of you speaking or offering any type of um, opinion is to say that is to say that there is context or meaning to your words. Unfortunately, we live in a society where there are a lot of hollow minds trying to consummate validity in the things they deem correct and arguing points blindly as a means of somehow finding enlightenment and voided thoughts. So whoever is gassing y'all up to say some of the negligent things that you say, tell them to stop it. Because the last time I checked, no matter how much gas you put in the car, if the engine doesn't run, you ultimately go nowhere. Just like some of the points people are trying to make. If you felt that was a jab at you, tell your corner to throw in the towel, proceed to take the gloves off and quietly leave the ring because this isn't a fight that you want. Wrote that on Facebook because I was seemingly getting not irritated, but I was getting I was getting a lot more defensive, I felt like, in regards to some of the people and some of the things that people were saying um, in regards to the things that were going on. And some of the people just they, they sound dumb, like just with the protesting that's happening in Portland and where they have like all the federal police out there detaining people for protesting. And like I said, like I said in three or four podcasts ago, people are tired. 
People are tired of the same thing. They're, they're tired of the monotony of certain people being able to get the things that they want and other people having to jump all of these hurdles and jump all of these barbed wire fences and jump all of these walls to be able to get a semblance of a life that other people have the privilege of just having, just being who they are and being the color of the skin that they are. People are tired of it. And yet when people go out to protest it, about it now, now all of a sudden it's made to be a big deal. And now people are feeling like, oh, they are, you know, infringing upon my livelihood and the way that I live. And they're not. Nobody's infringing upon anything. They want the same life that you live in the luxury that's in the luxuries that you live in. And half these people that have these quote unquote privileges and quote unquote benefits from the system that they live in are people that ultimately have it because of the skin color that they are or people that ultimately have it because of the money and the stature and the classism in which they reside in. And you can't understand why people, black people and all these other people who support the movement of racial inequality and racial equity you can't understand why these people are out there protesting, putting their lives on the line, knowing that there's people out there that are going to detain them, knowing that they could possibly be, you know, killed because that's what's been happening too. Um, a lot of unknowns have been happening to these people and yet they go out there and they're protesting. So what does that tell you? That tells you right there that these police, these people believe more in the cause of getting something correct than they do the danger that may happen in their lives. And that should tell you something right there. That should tell you something about what people are saying to you. Because long after we're all gone, because at the end of the day, we we all find death. Just like we find life in the beginning, we find death in the end, right? Just as we all find it, you want to be able to leave the world in a better place than it was when you were in it. And if people are on the line protesting and people are doing these things to bring awareness to other people who don't simply see it. And they're going as far as putting themselves in danger to do that. Then that means they want to see a world that is better for the ones that they will leave behind. And I don't understand how that can be made complex. And I don't understand how people can seemingly not understand why that would not be a an essential plight because there are people out there that have children. There are people out there that have loved ones. There are people out there who have people they want to see make it. There are people out there that they want, you know, these things to work in the favor of. And all we are seeking is for those things to be equal. Right. And how do you seemingly how do you seemingly find yourself in a predicament where your life could be in danger and yet you're still spouting to protest? Where people. Sorry about that. So, like I was saying, where people generally find um, refuge people are leaving that they're leaving their their comfortability to fight for something that is grander and bigger than them and i think that to be courageous i don't think that to be stupid i don't think it to be irrational i don't think it to be illogical 
I think it to be courageous. I think those people out there that are putting themselves on the line to see a better a better life and a better future for those around them, regardless of what they're doing in regards to th their protests and how they're speaking. I think if we're going to talk about the way that people are trying to skew that type of speech, that type of protest, then we also have to talk about how the the president and how these government officials and how these people of power are skewing their speech to only see one side of things. And to me, that's cowardly and it's stupid and they sound stupid. And yet there's people out there flocking to it like it's the greatest thing that's ever been said to them. And it's not. You gain no enlightenment from stupid people. Let me let you know that right now. You gain nothing from people being dumb. And you look stupid for following stupidity. So I just want people to know in that and just in all that I've said right now that speech is important. The protests that are going on are important and the way that people are putting their lives on the line. It may be up for interpretation as stupid to other people who don't see it, but for the ones that are doing it and are out there doing it, it's important. And I think change is important. I think racial equality is important. I think abolishing police brutality is important. I think Breonna Taylor um, having her murders, her murderers convicted and jail time is important. I think black lives are important. I think the lives of other people are important. And those are things to be determined by your interpretation of them. But let it be known and let it be clear don't make a narrative of something that is subject matterless important in a world where it doesn't matter to anybody and then try to push it as a political agenda or try to push it as something that's going to benefit everybody. A lot of the things that people are saying don't benefit everybody. Racial equality benefits everybody. But there are people out there in the world who don't want it for everybody. Right. That's why people are fighting the good fight. And that's why people will continue to fight the good fight. That's why people will continue to speak on these things until there is a realization that this is the world we want to see. A world where everybody can prosper, not just some. And. That's what we have to talk about, you guys. And that's where it's at. So. Um, next point I'll be talking about is reopening the schools. <laughs> People are going to love that. <sighs> so. When I'm talking about reopening the schools, OK, because this is probably one of the biggest topics right now. Um, because we are headed into August and this is going to be probably one of the most monumental things 
um, in the lives of not only the parents, but the children, um, because school is such a universal thing for everybody. And everybody is curious as to how school is going to be conducted and the the whole synopsis of distance learning um, and how how kids are going to get educated and what parameters will have to be met in order for these children to be able to still get an education but also be safe and also be able to maintain healthiness and also be able to maintain the livelihood that the parents live in still parents be able to still go to work and not have to worry about whether their children are doing their work or whether their children are falling behind. There's a lot of discernment that has to that has to go into that. It 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 sucks. It's a lose lose situation in all of it. Um, but if you want to know my stance, I and and these are for the people. If you're listening, you don't live in California then I, I wholeheartedly agree with the stance of not allowing kids on school campuses at this moment in time. Because in California, we've had a spike in cases of the coronavirus and um, people contracting it. So I don't think it would be ideal to let school, like to let kids in schools where we're still, you know, they're still at high risk of contracting um, the coronavirus and spreading it to others. Because as you know, you know, kids are social, you know, they're probably some of the most sociable people. They want to be around each other. They want to hug each other. They want to play sports. They want to do all of these things with each other. They love to be in close proximity with each other. So I don't think it would be smart or ideal for them to be on a school campus where schools are generally populated, where there's a lot of students at once on, you know, on campus, where if one person comes with it, then, you know, it's going to be a ripple effect and it would be catastrophic for that to happen. So I wholeheartedly agree with that decision by our governor in regards to that. Um, but I can understand for working class parents who have to be at work and if the format is distance learning and students have to be online and they have to somewhat have somebody monitoring them to make sure that they do their work yeah i can understand how there there can be there can be a a, a disconnect and i can also understand why some parents may be against it um, in that light of things, in that perspective, not on the health part, not not in that. I would never, me having four children, I would never jeopardize my child my child's health for them to you know in re in regards to learning, and it, you know if we put the two together, but that seemingly is what has been made political. Opening up schools, so basically you're saying. And these are ultimately the words of the president is that we should reopen schools. Kids should be able to go to school. So you're basically saying that you're putting education and the livelihood of learning over 
your child's well-being. Does that sound righteous to you? Does that sound like that would be a virtuous move? And and this is coming seemingly from some governments, from people up top, from your president, like the figurehead of America. That it's okay to send your your kids to school. And you even sent a threat. If they don't reopen the schools, then we'll take away their federal funding. We'll take away funding. That's disheartening. And And it's disheartening coming from a person who was the one who onset this whole pandemic because of the coronavirus, even though he was unknowing about it until recently and didn't care about it up until recently until they started figuring out, oh, it's killing people. And I don't want to make this a, I don't want to make that a political thing because I have a lot of criticisms of President Trump because he's, he's an idiot, but I don't want to make it about that. But at the end of the day, how can you discern education above life and health and safety of a, of a child. I don't see how you do it. I can understand the conundrum and the dilemma if you're a working class parent. If you're rich, it doesn't affect you. And that's been that's been the whole problem. And I, and I feel like that's what a lot of the people in power talk from. They talk from a stance of privilege. They talk from a stance of power. They talk from a stance of having money and being well off. Now think about the working class parent. Think about the parent who's impoverished. Think about the the kids that come from disproportionate um, environments um, and things that they don't have. Think about those things. You have to account for all of those things. So if I'm a if I'm a parent who is a laborer and I have to work eight to 10 hours a day, and I have multiple kids who go to school and can't go to school. What am I going to do with childcare? How how am I going to make sure that my kids are doing their work if I do have childcare? If I'm poor and distance learning is online, what am I going to do about internet? What am I going to do about computers and laptops? Although there's a lot of schools that are providing that stuff, and and providing it for students, which is which is awesome, but at the end of the day, it's like. And then what about kids who who come to school for lunch? I mean, a lot of kids do that, but it's like, it's just the ambiance of school is so important to, to the construct of how our society runs, and a lot of people don't take that into account. Only given the fact that we're in a pandemic is where people are now assessing their livelihood because there's going to be one thing that's not going to be normalized this, for this coming school year. And I think it's important to have that conversation with your children, too. If you are parents um, and kind of being able to understand their side of things, I can understand the from a parent's perspective because I'm a parent. I can understand it from my from my perspective because I'm a full full time uh, a full-time worker um, and have multiple children. I only have one in school right now, but you know I would have had two. But I can't start my four-year-old in school. Granted, all of this going on, I would be a, an idiot to do that. 
And I want to be able to know that my children are safe, that my children are healthy, that my children are okay. And if that means keeping them from school, then by all means, I'm going to do whatever I have to do in order to make sure that I can come home to my children every day and nothing be wrong with them. Right. But like I said, a lot of people don't feel that way. They, they really feel like their children should be in school because. I don't know, some parents, quite frankly, and I'm not saying all parents, there's some parents out there, they they want their children out of the house and it don't even be for anything crazy. There's some parents out there that don't work at all and just want their children in school. And you can, and you can attest that for some of the parents that come in there just because I've worked, I work at a school and I know it. There's parents out there that don't work at all and they just want their, their kids in there. And because they have to watch them now it becomes a, a hindrance to them. And I've seen that. And there's some parents out there who wholeheartedly believe the school should be reopened because of that. I don't want, you know, my kids just here and I can't educate them here. So they need to be in school. There's some parents that really feel that way and are placing education and the luxury of not having them around for the six to eight hours that they're at school um, just so they can do whatever they do. Um, It's a lot going into it. And and then that's not even talking. That's just talking from the stance of, you know, parents. And we're not even talking about the stance of children. Think about the the sociability that children get being at school that they will be missing out on. Think about some of the kids who seemingly don't want to be at home because of circumstances that may be at home, trauma that may be at home, abuse, homelessness. There's a lot of social emotional things that go into that. Think about those children. Think about the things that are going on in their mind, their mentality. And those kids wanting to go to school. Probably they would rather risk the risk their health and their safety just to be at school and not be in the livelihood or in the life or in the reality that they live in at home. There are some kids like that, too. And so that's why I said you have to be able to understand all all the dimensions and all the dynamics of of this. But like I said, ultimately, I don't I I wouldn't put anybody's safety or health at risk if I didn't have to. And, And that's my stance on it. But like I said, you have to also understand some of the the trauma and the baggage that, you know, and the mindset and the thinking that people have to really evaluate at this point in time in regards to their children and what they're going to do, child care, um, how they're going to get them educated if they don't have the, the necessary things that they need, food, um, who's going to watch them. It's just, it's a lot of things that go into it. And I'm, and I'm saying this because these are things that me and my wife are talking about. And these are um, situations and conversations that, that we're having in our household. So I can't even imagine all the conversations that are going on at home. And I'm talking to my son about it um, and just everything that he's going to have to do. And I'm trying to make it as positive as possible. And I think that's probably my next brownie point. Whatever conversations you're having with your children in regards, um, in light of everything that's going on in regards to the the distance learning um, format, 
um, online format, just make sure you're making it positive. Don't make it a negative thing. Don't make it uh, a self-absorbed, selfish thing. And don't make it a thing about you. Because ultimately, it's your child that's going through all of this, all of these things as you're going through them. So be understanding. Um, one, listen to some of their concerns. Uh, as parents, sometimes we always forget that our children, just as we, have concerns about the things that are going on. And we're not above listening to them. And and we have to be we have to be in a in a place where we have to recognize that we need to listen to them because they could be going through a lot too. think about it. If I'm used to going to school half the year and I can't go to school now and see my friends and hang out and see my teachers and sit at a classroom desk and do my work and have access to the cafeteria for food or have access to my teacher that's teaching me in front or have access to sports and equipment and recess and social time and you know all of these things that come with the the positivity of education and being at school being physically there it it can it, it's going to have a toll on a lot of people and a lot of children and so as parents, it's your duty to make sure that one, that they're safe and that they're healthy and that two, that you are in being encouraging, that you are um, providing emotional support and just just kind of keeping up and reiterating their well-being as well as you reiterating, you know, the importance of your well-being. Um, and I mean, that that's really it on that and, I, and I'm bringing it up just because it, it's a hot topic right now and it's going to be a hot topic until school starts and then once school starts we're going to kind of see how this all functions because there has never been a time in history where school hasn't been in session like you know what I mean so just you know but nobody's ever lived through these times and so here we are so we're all kind of in a a touch and feel situation so we're trying to figure out everything just as everybody else is but um, understand that your children come first their livelihood comes before anything and their well-being comes before anything um, and you as a parent um, and even those that are educators or people that are around try to make those experiences as positive as possible because we don't know what this is going to look like until it happens so um, and I mean, that's ultimately that's that in regards to the school thing. I just wanted to touch up on it and, you know, understand that, you know, you need to be there for support of your kids. And you also under need to understand, too, like the things that you're going to have to alter too to to be able to, you know, to live in the society that we live in. And as society stands, um, you know, it, it's all unknowns to us. I think I think a lot of people are in their mind. They think they have the remedy. They think they have the answer. They think they have, you know, you know, all of the things that are necessary for this to work or to be able to, quote unquote, normalize our society or get back to some type of normalcy. 
Um, but nobody does. Nobody has the answers. Governments don't have the answers. President don't have the answers. You know, people, civilians, nobody has the answer. All we know is that we want to stay healthy. We want to still be able to speak on the things that we want to speak on. And we know that our interpretation of things is our interpretation of things. And it's not going to always be the same for everybody. And it's not going to always be understood by everybody. But that's our given society as of right now. So, um, it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of propaganda right now. There's a lot of, there's a lot of false information out there. There's a lot of lies. There's a lot of threats. There's a lot of, there's just a lot of testimony that, that has just been, it's just been not cool. Like, I can't, like, I can't stress it enough. It's just things out there that's just not been cool. And there's a lot of things that are people are trying to change, but everybody's making things a political thing. And I don't know if it's because elections coming up. I don't know if it's because people believe, you know, I don't know if it's the conspiracy theories that people are believing. I don't know if it's, you know, the president normalizing everything being a political thing and everything having to either, you know, run on the run on the whim of whatever it is or whatever ideologies he thinks. I don't know. There's just a lot of things happening right now, all at once, all simultaneously. And me as a, just a, you know, just an average civilian living, living my life, it, it's hard to it's hard to discern what to believe and it's hard to kind of um proclamate what it like what i believe and and be able to speak on it in confidence and speak on it in you know and speak on it in regards to its importance um one thing that I myself have always tried to do and have always tried to be is a person who can have a perspective, have a distinct perspective on things, but also understand the vantage point and the perspectives of others, regardless of my disagreement with it, regardless of my disdain for it regardless of how I feel about it. And I've always tried to be a person like that because in this world, you can't have a perspective without understanding the other side. I can't live in the mountains, but not understand how city folk live. You know what I mean? It's it's things like that, like that we have to that we have to condition our brains to know. There's a lot of people out there that are going to be stuck in their ways. There's a lot of people out there that are going to be stuck in their thinking, regardless of if they sound stupid, look stupid, and, you know, are just generally stupid. Um, that's just how they're going to be. 
But even in their stupidity, I still have to understand that perspective. Do I have to agree with it? No. Do I have to go and champion it? No. But do I need to understand it in regards to me learning and being knowledgeable about that specific perspective? Yes. Because ultimately, and this is just for me, I want to grow. I think living in the humanity that I live in, growth is inevitable. And either you grow and empower yourself to be knowledgeable um, with with contextualized facts and things that make sense. Because like I said, I'm a person about connections and making connections to things. Um, or, you know, you get or you grow in your ignorance and you grow in the things that are, you know, that are fictional, that are false. And it, it can only go either way. So I make it a point for myself to to be that type of person. Um, and like I said, and I don't make it a I don't I, I don't try to make things political. Um, I'm a person that I would consider myself a person who's far from politics. I'm I, I'm all about humanity. I'm all about I'm all about the con the context of how we live as people. And I think a lot of people, because they are so engrossed with having a stance that edifies the the political ideologies and methodologies of the life that they live, everything is political to them. But I don't think everything needs to be made political. I think it's about humanity and I think it's about how you live and the way that you live. And because we have people in power who can't, they can't differentiate between the two. There, there is a, there is a sense of insecurity that goes out in the world and a sense of, you know, of a sense of um, uneasiness when we talk about things because people can't discern the two. Just like I told you, people can't discern Black Lives Matter from it being a political stance on the way that people live. And it has nothing to do with your politics. It has to do with the humanity in which people live or in which people are trying to live. And that means... And it has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with um, reprogramming a system that only fits the humanity of some. And, you know, and the same is said with just um, with immigration um, has nothing to do with politics. If people are coming to the states to seek a better life, then why are they not then why is that such a bad thing right because at the end of the day we're all in, we're all immigrants if if we want to if we want to play that like like that card cuz none of us are from here originally so um it's just things like that that we have to understand and i think a lot of people need to be able to discern that um it's got to be a lot more discernment for the things that people are thinking 
are correct when they're not. It's a lot of things out there that are not correct that people are spewing out in the world. And and I'm and I'm just a person just you can't be sheep to a herd if there are things that are not worthy of you to follow. There's things out there sometimes you have to stand alone in. And for me, it's, you know, I don't believe everything at face value. And I'll take it a step further. I'm the type of person that believes nothing at face value unless I've done the research and I've gotten knowledgeable about it. That includes politics. That includes people, my stance on things. I, I, I have to be knowledgeable about the things that I want to speak about before I speak about them. And like I said, it's my perspective on it, but you better believe that that perspective comes with some research before I speak on anything. So, I mean, ultimately, that that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, before I, you know, before I conclude this podcast, I just want to send prayers out to the people and the families out there that are that are out there protesting. Um, I want to send a shout out to, um, you know, sports have been slowly trying to integrate themselves back. And I see a lot of people, you know, taking the stance with Black Lives Matter. And I love it. I love it. And it's not a political thing. Like I said, it's it's a humanitarian thing. If you want to improve the lives of all people, then you have to include all people and black people need to be included in that. And I love the stance that the sports are paying. There's a lot of people that hate it. They hate the that the kneeling during the, the national anthem. But it's just like, mm, who was the national anthem written for? Surely not black people because we weren't equal in that time and weren't considered even considered human at that time, right? We were slaves, we were property. We were something that was expendable. But now people are mad because we're kneeling, you know? It's just, you, you gotta understand the other side. You have to. But like I said, a shout out to to those athletes and those organizations. Because then you have to think about it too. It's like, think about basketball, NBA. When it's like over 80 to 90% of the players that play are black. Football, same thing. Baseball, there's a lot of black people that play. It's just like you you would be in the you would be remiss to to not understand why people are doing that. But um like I said, a shout out to them. And shout out to sports slowly integrating itself back. Um I'm a big basketball fan, of course, so I, I, of course, love that. But I also love the fact that they are taking precautions and the things that they're doing because they understand the importance of what's going on right now. And I'm all for that. I'm a, I'm all for them understanding that. Um, and yeah, just just in general, whatever narrative that you are seeking to seeking to follow or seeking to reiterate or seeking to support just make sure you've done your homework 
Like, it's really simple. It's like, don't solve, don't try to solve problems without knowing the proper way to do it. And there's a lot of people out here who think they have the answer to everything. And let me tell you right now, no one has the answer to anything. And ultimately, we are living by the seat of our pants. And the world as we know it has no choice but to live one day at a time. And that goes for everybody. Anybody who thinks they have it figured out, they're completely and utterly wrong. If President Trump thinks he has it figured out, which I feel like he thinks he does, he doesn't. And he's stupid for thinking that. And that's and that goes for anybody else who thinks they have it figured out. The world that we live in right now is far from normal. And it's far from normal. And even when our normal is, you know, when normal becomes or when a sense of normalcy comes back, our world is going to be changed. And even then we have to sit there and adapt to whatever our world has become at that point in time. But I hope and I pray that those who are narrow minded, those who are, you know, completely and utterly stuck in living one way, understand that you will not be able to adjust in life unless you find some type of compromise in the things that are going on. And find a way to support humanity, not your political ideologies. Because like I said, we're all human. We all have to live in this world. We all have to live together, unfortunately, for some people who feel like we shouldn't. But we do. And that's just it. We're going to figure it out one way or the other. You may be pissed off about it, but ultimately that's where it's at. We all have to live in this together. We all, we're all going to be in this together. And the world is going to change based on how we want the world to be equal. And we want the world to be just. And we want the world to be lawful. And we want the world to, to be inclusive to all people, all races, all colors. And we have to understand that. And instead of skewing the speech to only make it look like the world is representative, is a representative of some people, we have to be able to understand that the things that are happening represent us all. And the struggles that people are going through are not, are not contingent upon a certain group of people, but we all are in this struggle together. And we're all trying to find refuge and peace and prosperity and we're all trying to be empowered by the things that that make us happy. And I mean that's really it. Like like I said, I don't have very many like statistics. Honestly, I'm just talking. Um I don't don't have any really like big talking points or anything like that, but just understand that we live in this world together 
we're going to eventually die from this world and we're going to eventually leave this world to our predecessors, our, our youth, our children, our loved ones. And whatever your stance is in life and on people, just make sure you are leaving a footprint that can be followed, not one that has been smeared in hate in discrimination and disdain for other people. That's one thing you have to remember because at the end of the day, people do follow your path and people do follow energy. And if your energy is negative, then you're setting people up to live a life of negativity and putting negative energy out in the world. But if you are setting up the world to be a place where people can prosper, a place where people are equal, a place where people have the same opportunities, a place where people are able to be themselves, then despite the pandemic, despite the coronavirus, despite all of the things that are happening right now, the world will be different and it'll be different in a way that is going to magnify the goodness in people and not the bad things. So that's where it's at, you guys. Um, that's all I have, honestly. <laughs> My name is Terrence Brown and these are the Brownie Points.